Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Thank you for putting on the the easy to find out the easy. I'm not sure which one, but thank you for putting it on. Revelation chapter 1. Are you there? Let me read verse 17 to 19. Revelation 1, 17 to 19. The Bible says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first, I am the last. I am he that lived and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Verse 19, what does he say? He says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Jesus is telling him to write three different kinds of things. The things that you have seen, meaning that the things that might have passed, the things that are now, and the things that shall be. Let us pray. Father, we want to appreciate you this morning because you are good. We thank you, Father, because of your mercy, and we thank you for keeping your church. We thank you, everlasting Father, for all and each and every one of your people. We thank you for good health. We thank you for sound mind. Lord, we pray as we go into your word this morning, let your word come with authority and power, and let your word change the perception and the traditions of men. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen and amen. And so this morning, as I said, I want to talk to you about a subject that, um, you know, there are some people in life that nobody likes when they come near you. Not because of who they are, but because of what they do. I have realized that it is not unusual that people may not like to see doctors. Because for some reason, whenever they go to see a doctor, there's always bad news. Nobody goes to see a doctor saying that, Doctor, I am feeling fine, I just came for a fact. It is not many. And so it is not unusual that a lot of people, when they go to see their doctors, they might be a little bit scared. When you think about lawyers, when people go to see lawyers, it is always because there is some challenge or there is a process that the lawyer needs to help you with. Nobody is not. I remember very well in those days where I come from, there's a prayer they normally pray that we pray that we never see a lawyer's matter, something like that. And I remember my, mom, my mother visiting me in Canada, and I said, please, when you go home, there are two prayers you shouldn't pray. I said, number one, don't ever pray that you shouldn't borrow money. We must borrow money in Canada. I said, so when you are praying that you shouldn't borrow money, you are saying that the creditors should not make me credit worthy. I said, please, when you go home, your prayer should be, God, everywhere my son is turning to for a loan, let them approve it. Amen. And I believe that God answered that prayer. The second prayer I told her not to pray is that when you go home, don't pray that God, don't let my son see a reason to go and see a lawyer. I said, because, because when I bought my house, I saw a lawyer. 
praise the Lord. And so in Canada, when you do good things, you feel love. Amen? Now, but then there's another group of people. This is a group that nobody actually invites. Normally, they either invite themselves or they are sent there by the law. And these are the people you call auditors. When an auditor comes to your, right, when the announcement is made that an auditor is coming, what tends to happen is that your heart begins to beat faster, not because you've done anything, anything wrong, but because whenever an audit is made, there can always be something that will be found that you overlook. I remember when I did my driving test when I came to Canada. The gentleman that did the test, after finishing the test, he began to count the things that he thought I did not do well. Mark my words, he thought I didn't do well. And when he finished, he said, but I will pass you. Ah, I said, thank you. And then he said something that was impressive. He said, if I sit where you sit, and you also test me, he said, I will fail. And I realized that this is a human being. He understands that it doesn't matter how good you are something. If somebody else was to examine you, the likelihood is that they will find something wrong. And so this morning, we are not talking about looking at other people, we are talking about looking at ourselves. And so my topic is very simple, and that is become an auditor. What did I say to become? What did I say to become? Now, I am not saying you become an auditor to somebody else. You become an auditor to yourself. Because it is when you audit yourself that you get yourself prepared for the ultimate audit which God will do. Because either you like it or not, you can never escape the final kind of audit in life. The Bible says it is appointed for men once to die. And then after that comes what? That judgment is audit. Because when God audits, He puts everything together, and then He will say, Well done. Good and faithful servant. Or, God forbid, He will say, Wicked servant. I pray that that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31. The Bible says, If we will judge ourselves, and I continue using the word audit, if we will audit ourselves, we will not do what? Audited. But when we are audited, we are chosen by the law that we by the law that we may not be condemned with the world. Brother, one of the things I have realized so much, and I know most of us do this at the end of the year, we take an account. We say, let us see what has happened during the year. And then the person that smokes says, I will smoke no more. The person that drinks say I will drink no more. The person that does not say I will do this no more. That is also a form of audit. Statistics have shown that within about two weeks, people are back to their usual selves. And so what we call New Year resolutions, they don't normally last. But then you don't need to wait until the year is over before you take an audit of your life. You don't need to wait until you turn a magical age, 21, 30, 40, 50, 60, 75, 100, before you audit your life. And the reason is because 
not all of us will have the opportunity to die at the same age. If you are waiting until you are 70, what is God says at the age of 69 that it's time to go? Then what do you do? But then you need to get to a point where you are ready for the ultimate audit at any point in time. I will ask you, I'll give you some few things that, some few areas of your life that you need to audit on a constant basis. And if you don't know the definition of an audit, I don't know also. All I know is that an audit is taking an account of something that has been commissioned into your heart. And so when God takes an audit, God is asking you, this thing I gave you, what have you done with it? For example, it's not unusual that Revenue Canada occasionally will audit the churches. And the reason is because people have trusted the church leadership with their finance and other things, and Revenue Canada will hold the church accountable. Are we together? Now, what are the things that I want you to start auditing before God audits you? Number one, talent. What is the first thing to audit? Talent. What is talent? Talent is an innate ability that is given to you that you did not work for. That's talent. Talent is that thing that God deposits in a man. In fact, you can call it capacity. Because the capacity of a man in a particular area is determined when the man is born and how much that man uses of that capacity is what we call ability. And so, for example, if your capacity is this much, let's assume that you have a small box and it is this wide, but you only use this much, it does not diminish the amount of capacity that God put in you. It just means that you are not using it to the fullest. Are you together? And so God will ask you ultimately, what have you done with the talent I gave you? Number one. Oh, let me go number one under that. Some of you have the talent to sing. What have you done with the talent? Some of you have the talent to be hospitable. What have you done with the talent? Some of you have other talents that you can do other things. What have you done with it? Are you together? There are some of us that God has blessed us so much that people just feel comfortable to talk to you. I mean, I'm sure you know some people like that. What have you done with that talent? Is it that when people now talk to you, you broadcast it? Yeah. Then God will ask you, what have you done with your talent? Remember in the book of Matthew chapter 25, everybody knows the story. Jesus Christ tells a parable there about the talent. And in that parable, it says that one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. God will not give all of us the same amount of talent. But I like what the Bible says there. It says, according to their several ability, not capacity, ability for the to do. What excuses do you have? That you are not using your talent. Do you actually audit yourself every now and then? Are you beginning to be a teacher? What are you doing with it? Are you beginning to be a cook? Who is benefiting from your food? Everybody has a talent. 
Some people say, well, Pastor, but brethren, it doesn't have to be in the church. Throughout the time of COVID, there are people that have traveled the back to their house and say, look, you know your food is good. Food this food, drop it at their door. God, uh, say, brother, I don't know, brother, sister, I dropped something at your door, I'm already gone. Why you need a talent? Talent does not necessarily mean that you have to do something extraordinary. Simple things are the areas where you use your talent. And so, audit your talent every single time. Number two, what is the second thing that you audit? You audit your time. You know, I always tell people, the same amount of time you have is the same amount of time I have. And so you come and sit with me and tell me your problems and talk for three hours. But then you don't have 30 minutes to help somebody else solve their own problems. Is it the same amount of time I have? But how come we can spend four hours wasted on something that will have no value to you, but you can't spend one hour on something that will have value to you? You audit your time. Oh, brother, let me tell you the truth. Pleasure is dangerous. Pleasure distracts you. I will talk about that briefly. Pleasure distracts you from the real thing. And before you know what is happening, your time is gone. Occasionally, I will sit in front of my TV. And by the time I look at my wristwatch, I see that I have been there for three hours. And then I wonder. Three hours well wasted. I can never get that time back. Audit your time. I'm not saying to watch TV. So don't get past yourself if you see our TV. And if for any reason you decide that your TV is causing you to sin and you want to take it away, give me a call. I will come and pick it. So what I'm saying is that you audit your time. How am I spending my time? Who am I spending my time with? By the time I have used a whole year, what can I say about kids with my time? The people that are managing the whole world, they have 24 hours a day. You manage a family of three and you don't have time. And yet, they are praying that God will promote you to, ma- to, to manage a group of hundreds. God is not stupid. If you don't have time at that level, how are you going to have time at the other level? You audit what? Your time. Because of time, I will move ahead. But let me tell you one other thing. Every time you pray for long life, know that you are praying for trouble. No, you did it. By now, you know me very well. I said you did Why do I tell you you did it? I will die one day. Make you say, I live now, I live now, years. You have a lot of time. But the Bible records his name in two lines. He still remembers him for just being the oldest man. But I keep him nothing. 
So when you pray for a long life, it means that you have more time to audit. So be careful. Have you not noticed? Moses lived for 120 years. We must stop talking about what Moses did. Jesus, the master, he lived for how long? 33 years. And yet, John concluded that in the old world, or if everything that he did within those three years were to be recorded, that the old world can't contain it. In three years, Did you spend the time well? Ah, yes. Let me give you another example. John the Baptist. The Bible says that at the time that Jesus Christ began to be about 30 years old, he began to shout in the wilderness. He was only six months older than Jesus. And the Bible says, after a short while, when Jesus had started his ministry, Herod called him, put him in prison, and they beheaded him. The guy would have been anything between 31 and 32 years old. We are still talking about him today. He used his time well. But they audit your time. When you audit your time, you can know how to reallocate. There's a language that all of us that we use that when I think deeply, we are deceiving ourselves. You see, I will create time. You are not the Elohim. You can't create time. You can only manage the time you have. Number three. What else is God expecting you to to audit treasure? He expecting you to audit your treasure. Of course, when I mention treasure, now everybody is thinking money. It's not money. Money is part of it. But do you know, the Bible says that no one can receive anything. You know that passage? Except with what? Giving to him. You have knowledge. What are you doing with it? Who is benefiting from your knowledge? Is that not a treasure? It is. Something that you have that others can benefit from is a treasure. Occasionally okay, so I look at people and I say, that place where you work, they do sales now. How many people have benefited from the sales because you walk there? Is knowledge. Are we together? It means that you have a knowledge that somebody needs. And yes, I'm not sharing the knowledge. God will ask you. Anything that you have, think about it. What is it that I have that somebody else can benefit from? That's the treasure. And the Bible already says that we have these earthly treasures in urban vessels. Do you know what it says? Yeah. Meaning that God put his treasure in a man so that you can benefit other people. So, brother, you manage your talent. You manage your time, you manage your treasure, and you audit them constantly. How regularly you audit them, I don't, I don't know. But you set a time for audit. I'll tell you what. Number four. Number four. What else do you audit? You audit your temperance. 
what is temperance? Temperance is self-control. In those days, you used to say that before you say one, I will say two. I'm sure some of you remember that, right? Uh-huh. When you say that, it means that you are not, your temperance is faulty. Because even Jesus Christ, the Bible says that when they obeyed on him, he answered them not. Self-control. Are you better self-controlled now than you were last year? Or are you worse? These are things you need to audit. You don't need to wait until somebody says, ah, ah, bro, is that the way it is going to be? They are telling you that your auditing is faulty. Are you together? You sit back. Let me tell you one of the best things you can do is to think. You sit back and say, ah, if this matter had happened last year, how will I have responded? If you can't say that you've responded better you like, than you have responded last year, it's a problem. And don't audit yourself if you won't be truthful to yourself. Are we together? I was talking about marriage whatever earlier. A lot of the problems in marriage is because we don't get better at self-control. Before my husband says one, I must give him three. Before my wife says one, I must give her three. <laughs> your house will be hot. And if your house is too hot, after some time it becomes very quiet. Learn to audit your temperance. At your place of work, is it the same way that you are behaving year after year? It's possible to write it down. Remember what Jesus Christ told John? He said, write these things, the things that they were, the things that are now, and the things that will come right after. I told you, everybody doesn't like an auditor. You may not like yourself, is it now? Because you are becoming an auditor. And you have to audit these things before God audits you. Number one. Number five, you have to audit your trust in God. You know, let me say one or two things about this one. We say we trust God, but our actions say that we don't. Let me say that again. We say with our mouth that we trust God, but our actions show that we don't. And I'm sure most of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I trust God, He will take care of me. Mm-hmm. But for the past three nights, you've not slept thinking about how you are going to take care of yourself. And you really trust God. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so maybe when we chat, me and my wife, I always tell her, I want two people don't need to worry about the same problem. If God is worrying about my problem, and let me worry about other things. Are we together? Ask yourself, do I really trust God? Or is it just a cliche in my mouth? Last year, I said I would trust God, but by the time I got to the second half of the year, when I thought things weren't happening, uh, I began to find ways 
These are Christian way, Christian language that we use. So I brought you have to use wisdom. Tell us what is that wisdom you use to find out teaching. Tell us what is that wisdom you use instead of finding a way to sin because you don't trust God. Brother, you better audit yourself. Do I trust God? God says that you look after your children, but in fact, that your children are for what? Thanks, I wonder. But you may awake many nights thinking about the same problem that God has fixed. Do you then trust God? When you become an auditor, there are a lot of things you will find that you won't like. The important thing about an audit is not to condemn, it is to increase. Number six. This one might be tough for most people. You begin to audit your tradition. Everybody has a tradition. Your tradition is the way that you do your things. Everybody has a routine, a tradition. You do your things in a particular way that it is nearly impossible to change it. Uh-huh. Then tradition can lead the man where he doesn't want to go. That's auditing or tradition. It's difficult for me to tell you about everybody's traditions, but I can tell you that there are traditions of men that change nothing in the course of the heaven. There are traditions of men. There are traditions of men that doesn't change how God does what God does, but there are traditions of men. There are traditions of men that have no overall impact on your life. Better change them. Audit them. Oh, God, I know me a little bit. The same way I talk now, it's not the same way I talked two years ago. Hey, two years ago when I talk, when you see me on the street, you run. You know, in those days I used to wonder why is it that all these old men they are very gentle. I used to wonder. Now that I'm like this, I consider myself an old man. Because there are some, I'll give you an example. Remember in the book of Second Kings, the Bible says that Elijah was going. Remember, and some children began to laugh at him. Oh, I don't know what his age was, but you can see that he was in my job. The Bible says he turned and he caught is that what the power that was given was for? Uh-huh. I remember long ago, you know, when you have a certain amount of uh, value system. Long ago, about 20 something years ago, somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I'm hungry. So I said, I have no problem today, we give the person money. And then that particular young man was very strategic. Every time my wife goes to the store, he knows, and we meet her and say, Ah, Mrs. Pastor, I am on you. 
and my wife will be finding a way to buy something for him. So she told me, and I said, God, I need wisdom now. That's a wisdom that I don't get. I said, I need wisdom. Because giving him something every day won't help him. So I said, okay, I know what I will do. That time I had a very big yard. The house they gave me. And I said, come, invite him to come. I will tell him to cut the glass, and I will pay him for cutting the glass. In fact, I was so happy that I had become an employer of labor. So I called him on the Monday morning, and he arrived. He did not do to bring anything. I provided the food. So I said, you see, <laughs> as the water covers the sea, is the amount of work and money you can make. So I left. I went to work. This was around 8, 7, 30 in the morning. I went to work. <laughs> when I came home from lunch, I said, where's my employee? My wife said, he waited 30 minutes after. I said, my back is aching me. And he left. <laughs> oh, God, have mercy. Better without thinking twice. I said, that boy can never make it in life. And the voice of the baker. You audit your tradition. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If you have been doing something the same way over and over and over and it's not working, you better change it. Number seven, because of time. This one is not just something that you audit. But I want to tell you that you have to, you have to audit until the end. You cannot audit today and not audit tomorrow. You have to audit until the ultimate audit comes. Ask yourself, am I still in the faith? Ask yourself, am I doing what God expects of me? Ask yourself. Am I even full of you in the kingdom of God? Ask yourself, is my time, my treasure, my talent, my trust in God, my traditions, when you put them together, do they say the kind of character that God will be happy with? The audit. That's why the Bible says, he that does what? And dwells to the end. You will be <laughs> That endurance comes from constant oddity. You know, I've told it many times. In my house, I have a small room. I don't need to be in that room for more than three minutes. My brain begins to think fast. Because I have dedicated that room to thinking. If you don't have a room, dedicate your toilet, your washroom. I'm telling you the truth. When I go to that place, I don't need to be there more than three minutes. I receive resolution. Because that is, I don't go there to, to laugh. I don't go there to play. The only thing I go there to do, even if I'm sitting in that place, when I don't dream, normally I dream. Because I have realized that thinking is one of the greatest ways 
but you can understand things that God wants you to do. And I've also understood that when you think that the way God speaks to you, most of us are used to praying 45 minutes, and then maybe you finish, you stand up and you go. And if prayer is supposed to be a two-way communication, then where is that place of God? I don't think many friends will call their friends and talk for 45 minutes and then drop the phone. You will wait for the other person to respond, right? But in prayer, we don't. We are in a hurry, but God is not in a hurry. And our brothers, you can pray to tomorrow, God speaks, God speaks. He will speak when he wants to speak. You can't trust God to speak. But you can make God speak when you are tired. You can make God speak when you say, God, this room is dedicated to meeting with you. Are we together? You audit and see the Don't say because today things are going well, I don't need to audit again. Everywhere that things are going well, there are some people going around to make sure that those things get delayed. Take your time, brethren, because when you audit yourself, you avoid destruction, you avoid distractions, you avoid disturbances, you avoid many other things. But, let me warn you one last thing. When you audit yourself, it shows how self-centered you have become. Everything centers around you. One of the reasons why I like this message is because I am not the one auditing you. Because if I audit you, you won't talk to me again. But when you audit yourself, it's good not to talk to yourself again. Oh, when you audit yourself, brother, you find out that pride is part of your life. If it doesn't go my way, I don't do it. That's called pride. Are we together? I'll stop here because if you are to audit these seven things alone, you will find out that day by day your life will not be the same. You find out that day by day that you become more and more like Christ. You find out that day by day, when you can look at your account, either financial account or emotional account, whatever account, and you can say, I give unto God what is God. But then auditing is a hard thing. So that I can tell you, it is a hard thing. And only the heart can do it. So take your time from today. Make up your mind. You don't need to wait for 31st of December. You don't need to wait until you turn 40. You don't need to wait until you turn 50. But occasionally, I laugh when people say, oh, it's my birthday, I'm going to the mountain. My own birthday, I stand with my two feet on the ground. 
I don't go to any mountain. <laughs> because the audit is before the death day. Are you together? You don't need to tell me that you're going to the prayer garden. You can audit yourself in your own house. The Bible says, Jesus Christ said, that he said, go in and do what? And shut the door. And when you shut the door, you talk to your God that is in heaven. God, I, God, God is here. I didn't talk about auditing your service to God because that comes under talent. I keep on asking Christians, if God were to deal with us the way we deal with him, where would he be? Oh, let's do this. I don't have time. Oh, let's do that. I don't have time. Oh, let's do that. I don't have time. <laughs> Do you know how much time God is saving you by not being sick? Because when you are sick, what can you do? Even sickness, you are not talking about much more sickness. When you are really sick, that you can hardly raise your head from the bed, all those things that you want to do, will you be able to do? But yes, day by day, God is saving you from that. And then that same God is saying, do this, because I don't have time. Maybe some of you don't realize it. Day by day, you think it is the money you make that is taking you so far. And then God says, bring all. And you say, no. I will use wisdom. Well then, God is a good God. But God is a consuming power. God is a creator. I always remember that God is also a God. And when the judge sits on the throne, even if it's your friend, he's sitting in your physical capacity. If you stand in front of the judge that is your friend, he's going to throw something aside. And he's going to do what the law expects him to do. But then today is October 17th. Every day can be marked in your scripture. Every day can be marked in your Bible. Every day can be marked in your calendar. But you want to lift up your voice and talk to God. This is one of those areas that it is difficult to direct you in a particular way to pray. Because different people will understand the message in a different way. But I just want you to talk to God. There are many things you need to audit. There are many things that you need to think about. There are many things that you need to say. Why don't you lift up your voice there for about two or three minutes and talk to him about those things and let him hear your voice in the name of Jesus. <laughs>